we here at the I Refuse Podcast would like to start this episode first with a word from Bishop T.D. Jakes. I would have been swallowed up. Have you ever been swallowed up? Have you gone through a time of swallowing where everything was overwhelming and you... Now let's get into the episode. Now keep in mind that I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about bullshit. To fuck around is human. To find out is divine. This is the I Refuse Podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Couldn't wait until next Monday to give you guys a new episode because... Every year around this time, it just appears that the last two weeks of the year is where shit just goes completely off the tracks. It's like the universe just waits the last 10 days, last 10 or 15 days to be like, we're going to really ramp it up. Welcome back, everybody. This is Mr. Fox of the I Refuse Podcast. You are now in the throes of Season 5 of the I Refuse Podcast. If this is your first time here, welcome. If you are returning, thank you for coming back. You know, we love we love having you guys around listening to myself mr fox the producer the star the proprietor of this here podcast and the usual suspects and the i refuse podcast after dark with guests thrown in here and there you know keep it locked well into 2024 as we roll out the second and perhaps the third half of season five so as soon as i posted episode 17 which came out earlier this week on monday this thing you know things just kept coming out and i really felt inspired or moved to chorus to discuss them so if you've been listening to the podcast here and there over the past four and a half seasons Especially seasons one going into season two, you know, in the midst of talking about pop culture and music and movies, we also touch on very serious subjects such as racism, misogyny, abuse, abortion, law stuff, things that have social impact. Um, one of the main courses on the I Refuse podcast thus far is the view of black men, black women, black children. And that's regardless of sexual orientation, how you identify, what your gender is, and the privileges that come with those kind of things. And the proximity how it proximity to whiteness how that plays into effect and the 
how all of those variables play into interracial relationships, whether it's intimate, interpersonal, social. It's that's the real epidemic going on these days. So I say that to say the Jonathan Majors conviction. So for those of you that have been living in Amish country or living under a rock, I first started talking about Jonathan Majors on the podcast last season. Um, There's a video on our YouTube channel where I'm speaking in front of my television. (laughs) And I believe I uploaded the audio on the I Refuse podcast. I believe it's called Family Affair. So at the time, there were allegations you know it was still in the allegation phase where right around the time of the academy awards you know where angela bassett was in the same category as jamie lee curtis for the black panthers sequel and you know Right after she lost to Jamie Lee Curtis for everything, everywhere, everything, all at once, all that bullshit. And we saw the, the you know, the the defeated look on her face or, you know, the not surprised. Because, you know, Angela Bassett, over her four-decade career, has been looked over multiple times. And as somebody that's done the work, the preparation studied and put her all into the performance and taken the dialogue, the script, the character, the persona to a whole nother level. Finally get to a supporting actress category. I don't know why she isn't in lead categories more to lose to Jamie Lee Curtis. But anyway, not you know, not too long in the ceremony after that happened, that snub happened, you know, you saw Jonathan Majors and Michael B. Jordan come out and everything. And literally within I wanna say a week's time, not even a week, this stuff started to come out. And at the time it was allegations that Jonathan Majors was physically abusing his girlfriend at the time, this Grace lady, I believe. And it started to gain traction. I was just like, here we go. Like, I, when I thought about it, and I even said it in the video, I believe, at the time it brought to mind of how they did Nate Parker. And it's like, you have a 10 plus year career, whether it's uh, through Broadway workshops, off-Broadway stuff, to doing bit parts in television, bit parts in movies, to a point where Nate Parker, I believe, wrote, co-produced, directed, and led a movie. It's called, I believe, The Birth of a Nation, right? which was a movie about Nat Turner. 
good movie. Um, had everything going for it to where it was just like, this could be the movie to really implant Nate Parker in cinema. Not even 24 hours after that movie came out, there were allegations that Nate Parker and another gentleman um, allegedly raped a girl back in the early 2000s. Mind you, we're talking like 15 years later when, you know, Birth Birth of a Nation came out. And you sat back and you thought, okay, the timing of it. So... With Jonathan Majors, that's where my mind was wrapped around at the time. I was just like, oh. Once that that allegation came out, there were other things that people had to say. You know, people that were in the, the community that he was a part of. And everybody, the general consensus was, everybody was trying to play up into oh you know given his physical aesthetic and given how he looks you know he he could be this like those people that were on the outside looking at how he looked currently at the time the last two or three years you know the instant the next thought would be you know well that's not that's not too far off base what people are saying because look at him. You know, muscular, I think by this time Creed 3 was out. Oh, he's muscular, he's black, oh, he's intense in his acting style. You know, that, you know, what they're saying can't be too far off base. Like, I could see that happening. And then more stuff comes out, right? So here we are, December 2023. We, for those of us that have been outside, myself included, we have watched this, um, the circus, and to a certain degree, if you want, I'll call it that, play out the last year. I mean, all of 2023. You know, he he has making good. And I don't care what anybody says, that was definitely a publicity stunt. And, you know, you you get a good, you know, a girl with a a good Christian image, you know, the former wife of a a pastor, you know, the girl that waited until marriage to, to consummate her relationship. It didn't work out. You need some, you need to do damage control. You need to do rehabilitation for your career, even though it's effectively canceled because public opinion. You know, you have at the time, early this year, a lot of Marvel jobs on the line. And although at the time they they didn't do anything in response, you know, proceedings and stuff like that you still went to court every week every day 
dressed like Bagger Vance, dressed like Colonel Sanders, dressed like a cast member from Handmaid's Tale, making good, arm in arm, hand in hand, you have your Bible. Effectively, I guess, trying to appear safe, less threatening. And I get it because you're just as aware as a lot of us black men are as to the perception that the powers that be, you know, white people, have of black men. No, regardless of your opinion or your feeling, history repeats itself. And the results and the outcomes are what they are. So, you're doing that for about 12 months. The rest of us out here are still, like, on the fence for the most part. At the beginning, when I did my video on YouTube, I was like, I'm going to just stand by the dude see where this goes. Because, as a black man, duh, of 40 plus years at this point, as I live and breathe, I'm always aware of how we're viewed. And I believe the turning point is until the powers that be, white people, check their attitudes and their views of us a lot of which is fed to them through the media and probably in their household growing up, things are never going to change. But what's telling is, you know, this vitriol and this energy, this emotional energy that they have, this commitment to ignorance, to villainizes, but I'll, I'll get into that later. So, anyway, here it is. December 21st, 2023. And I'm going to run through this a little bit. Shout out to Megan Cunniff, um, investigative, a law investigative journalist who came in with the clutch during the Tory Lanes and Megan the Stallion case. She was feet to the street down there at the courthouse down there in the courtroom getting all the tea and like tweeting so just like with that she has been feet to the street tweeting but also she has a website called legalaffairsandtrials.com so this piece I'm reading through is courtesy of that So, she says, here's the key prosecution evidence in the domestic violence trial of Jonathan Majors. So, like I said, if you've been living under a rock, Jonathan Majors was recently convicted of third-degree assault, recklessly causing physical injury, and second-degree harassment. You know, in the trial, he was charged with four crimes, third-degree assault with intent to cause physical injury, third-degree assault recklessly causing physical injury, second-degree aggravated harassment, and second-degree harassment. First three charges are misdemeanors, and the fourth is a violation. 
faces up to a year in jail if convicted through a probationary sentence, more likely. So the alleged victim is Grace Jabari, a British dancer and movement coach whom he met on the Ant-Man set in London. Judge Michael Gaffey in New York City Criminal Court authorized a public release of trial exhibits last week. So there is a 33-minute mashup of surveillance videos from locations visited by Majors and Jabari on the evening of March 24th into the morning of March 25th, beginning with the then-couple leaving Majors' triplex apartment in Chelsea Mercantile Building at 6.24 p.m. The video contains footage from a camera at 221 Canal Street, in Manhattan's Chinatown that shows what prosecutors say is one of the assaults. In it, Major's chauffeured SUV stops and Major's emerges struggling with Jabari. He puts her back into the SUV, which prosecutors allege was done with great force, then Jabari chases after him. According to trial reports, Jabari testified that before the SUV stopped, Majors injured one of her fingers as they struggled over his cell phone after she saw a text from someone saved as Cleopatra that said, Wish I was kissing you right now. Jabari said Majors also smacked her head and injured her ear. The recording follows Jabari and Majors as Jabari chases Majors for several blocks. Jabari spoke with people on the sidewalk then says something to Majors as he walks by. Surveillance video shows Major and Jabari then get back into the SUV, then exit again. Jabari then joined Zoller at Zuzi's nightclub before returning to Major's penthouse. In trial, she testified she arrived about 3 a.m. and fell asleep in a walk-in closet after taking over-the-counter sleeping pills. Majors found her there after being let into the locked home by the building's maintenance man, and he called 911. By then, Majors had texted Jabari saying he was ending their relationship, his defense was cast, has cast Jabari as a, a scorned alcoholic who's lying to get revenge. His lawyers say Jabari drunkenly injured herself when she was alone, and it was she who assaulted Majors in the SUV. Two of the people who went to the nightclub with Jabari testified were prosecutors, Chloe Zoller and Max Manning. Video of them talking with Jabari on the street eight minutes after the alleged assault shows Jabari... Jabari effortlessly using her right middle finger to help twist her hair into a bun, and video from the nightclub shows her using the finger as she walks up a staircase, handles a credit card, and squeezes a lime into a drink. But Zola, who also testified that Jabari said at the club that her finger hurt, so Zola gave her some ice to put on it. Business Insider called it significant testimony. Majors is fighting the charges by arguing that Jabari had injured her own self hours after their fight during a drunken fall while alone in his Manhattan triplex apartment. So testimony that Jabari was injured before then is very helpful to the prosecution. Other significant testimony includes that of Naveed Sawar, Major's private chauffeur, who was driving the SUV when the first alleged assault occurred. He speaks Urdu, the national language of Pakistan, so a court-certified interpreter translated his testimony to English, live as it happened. New York County Assistant District Attorney Michael Perez said in his opening statement that Sawar saw Majors throw Jabari like a football. 
that Majus was trying to get rid of her and telling Jabari, leave me alone, I have to go. He was trying to throw her in the car, Sawar said, according to Business Insider. I do remember Majus was pushing her back in the car to get rid of her. Prosecutors showed jurors those photos of Jabari's injuries. Majus called 911 later on March 25th after finding Jabari in his closet. He told the dispatcher she's unconscious. The call lasted nearly five minutes and was entered as evidence. Prosecutors also entered as evidence body camera footage from Sergeant Brian Hansen and Officer Brendan Swain of the New York City Police Department. The footage was played for hours without sound under the decision by Judge Gaffey that follow arguments in pretrial hearings. In addition to the March 25 incident, jurors heard of a fight between Jabari and Majors that she testified occurred in their L.A. home in July 2022 in which he threw a candle at her. According to USA Today, Jabari said Majors was full of rage and aggression at the time while filming Magazine Dreams, in which he portrays an aspiring bodybuilder. The movie's national release, originally scheduled for December, was halted after Majors' arrest. Prosecutors entered the phone below as evidence taken by Jabari. Joris also heard a recording that Jabari secretly made of Majors lecturing her in September of 2022. Majors, be doing all right, doing right now, period. This is actually, period. Do you understand that? Jabari, yeah. Majors, do you really love me? Do you really? Jabari, yes. Majors, then how dare you come home drunk and disturb the peace of our house when we have a plan? Jabari, I'm sorry. Majors, I would like to get to the point where your friends know what job I'm on and go, I think Grace is going to be out of commission. Get me? Jabari, yeah, I won't. Majors, no, no. Do you understand that? Because that team, that unit, right? Grace has to be of a certain mindset to support. Coretta Scott King, do you know who that is? That's Martin Luther King's wife. Michelle Obama, Barack Obama's wife. I got to admit, at that point, I was like, this dude is so unserious. Jabari, I know I shouldn't have gone out. I'm sorry. Majors, let me just lay it out for you, right? If I am, I'm just going to say this. My temper, my shit, all that, all that said, right? And let's say I'm a great man, a great man. I'm doing great things, not just for me, but for my, for my culture and the world. That is actually the position I'm in. That's real. I'm not being a dick about it. I didn't ask for it. I've worked and that's the situation. The woman that supports me that I support, the work that needs to be a great woman and make sacrifices the way that man is making for her and for them ultimately. Last night, two nights ago, you did not do that. Jabari, I'm sorry. Majors, you did not do that, which was took away from the plan and the plan is everything. If it was just you, maybe I should swallow it or I was just going to like, hey, let's just go just bed. I'm just going to be going to bed. I'm not hungry, blah, 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 because Grace isn't here. Why? She was drunk. Why else? She was clogged by whatever was going on. Fine, I can take that. Fine. In addition to the recording, jurors saw texts between Majors and Jabari in September 2022, in which Mar- Majors said he planned to kill himself. The texts are partly redacted, and they don't show what Jabari texted Majors before he told her, I will probably mill myself mistyping skill. Kill. Jurors ended up seeing much more of the conversation later in Jabari's redirect examination. According to several reports, Judge Gaffey had ruled inadmissible messages Jabari sent about going to the hospital for an apparent head injury. But the judge ruled 
Major's lawyer, Prior Chudry, opened the door for the text through a cross-examination of Jabari. Chudry had drilled Jabari about why the morning after the alleged March 2023 incident, the woman had told emergency personnel that she did not remember how she had become injured. The judge said she'd asked the questions to try to impugn Jabari's credibility, even though she knew there might be another reason she was not forthcoming. As a result, jurors the text that preceded Major's suicide threat in which Jabari said, I will not go to the doctor if you don't feel safe with me doing so, or don't trust me. I promise I would never mention you, but I understand your fear. Earlier, Major's texted her, it's just fake, though it's unclear what he was referring to. He's also texted, I fear you have no perspective of what could happen if you go to the hospital. They will ask you questions, and as I don't think you actually protect us, it could lead to an investigation even if you do lie, and they suspect nothing. Jabari replied, I will tell the doctor I bump my head if I go. The first part of our message is redacted. So, when I first saw Megan kind of tweets about the charges. And then I went and saw the video of him running away from her after trying to put her in the truck. And she's running after this man for several blocks. In my mind, it it just it kind of, it contradict, contradicted you know this position that Jabari was trying to put out into the court the you know the 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 white woman tears and all this other stuff and then i saw the video the body cam footage from the police as they were responding to the call that Jonathan Majors made. And when they went into the apartment or the condo or whatever, and Jabari is laid out on the floor trying to out herself from the world on pills. And I'm just like, Yo, what's up with this girl? And when we go from how this kind of rolled out earlier this year to where we are now, it's just like, I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon and immediately, like, I guess cancel, I guess the kids say these days, cancel this guy. But I think, especially in the 21st century, it's time we have this conversation as to the new era of racism and, you know, prejudice and bias is always there. And how it's Essentially, karma for black guys who aspire to be with white women. And that's not to say that all white people are dangerous and 
and threatening. But there's something to be said about, even with all this stuff, that undermines the perception or the bias that people have of black men that were dangerous and and aggressive and we don't care. You know, Jonathan Majors, even after running away from this girl, still calls 911 after she's locked herself in his apartment. Like, this guy still cares about her. And the driver's saying that he threw her like a football. And we see in the video, that's not the case. And when I read the charges that Megan kind of had tweeted about, I, I I was like, okay, he didn't, there was, there was something that happened. There was an injury of some kind, but there wasn't an intent to do it. Like there was definitely contact made when she reached for his phone after seeing the text from Cleopatra and him smacking her hand away. Now, whether the phone hurt her finger or she didn't anticipate a quick reaction and there was contact made with his hand to her fingers, that's still injury that's still assault. Not arguing with anybody there. And it doesn't necessarily help when... You are physically, whether you're black, white, purple, polka dot, yellow, when you're physically more massive compared to this frail white girl, when after slapping her hand away or, you know, the situation with the phone in the back seat, that even after you're outside the car, you are forcibly trying to, like, get this girl into the car so your chauffeur can drive her off. It doesn't look good. Like, even in that part of the video when I saw it, I was just like, that just does not look good. And I'm sure in Jonathan Major's mind, he's like, I know where this is going to go if I continue to respond even though I'm trying to remove her from the situation so she can calm down I know that if she comes after me I'm not gonna you know put my hands on her I'm just gonna try to evade her which is what I think was going through his mind when it was clear that she was not getting in the truck And that she was trying to get to him. And he's like stepping away, picking up a pace in the opposite direction with his hands up. Just running, just trying to run away from her. And it was at that point as 
he's running block after block after block away from her and she's running block after block after block after him it was like is she still the victim like I'm still ten toes down with the belief that self defense is one thing or you know you being a victim is one thing. But nobody ever has a discussion around provocation and escalation from the person that is seen as the victim in the situation. Like, couldn't just leave it alone at the truck. Couldn't have just cooled off, chill out. It wasn't until you couldn't catch up to this man that you're talking to people outside of the club and you go into the club or, you're, you know, you're talking outside the apartment building or whatever. You see some friends and you just go on with the rest of your night like nothing happened. Like, nobody wants to talk about the switch. And please do not get up on here trying to flip on me where it's just like, oh, well, he's victim blaming. No. Like, you guys want to talk about equality all the time. Like, the fault is on both sides. Like, we have to have this discussion around emotional intelligence, self-control, containing one's emotions, and if we claim to want to strive for healthy relationships, being a healthy communicator. And it, it's, it sucks because... Pretty much before the trial was even over, like Marvel and Warner Brothers Studios and everything literally clicked send on the tweet, effectively canceling his uh, his role as, I think, Kang in an upcoming movie that he was supposed to be part of and any other opportunities. And it's just like, damn, that quickly. And I knew two or three months going in, the the cancellation was effectively immediate. Just as it is with Columbus Short, just like it is with the guy from The Shy, just like it is with Nate Parker, just like it is with several other black actors. And regardless of race, the outcome is still the same. You know, whether it's if the powers that be or the showrunner is black or, you know, the powers that be are white. Like, even though you know it's some bullshit, you know, black people just lose stuff immediately in comparison to their white counterparts. 
So, I was like, this this is just interesting to me. Not surprising, because, you know, I've been outside for 40 plus years. And my takeaway from this entire situation, which is what inspired me to make this, this episode out the blue, this ties into the pitfalls of being fetishized. Like, and I don't care how you cut it. Like, the same stuff that attracts white people to us when shit changes, the moment that shit changes, that same stuff is used against us. And it's like, you benefit so much, like sexually, socially, culturally, like you benefit so much from this relationship with a black guy. And that's aside from, you know, he's probably repeatedly dusted the muffin off of your cooch, which is a major reason why you respond the way that you do. Trying to get to the phone, jumping all over him, and trying to off yourself in the closet. It's like, oh yeah, like, he's been digging you out for a while. And one thing I know from being outside as long as I've been is that a good dicking down, especially if you are a skinny white person or a white person and you're with a black man who's muscular and buff and talented and gifted I'd probably lose my mind too. And this is this is all part of the fetishizing thing. And the thing about it is they don't have to admit to it. It's in the treatment and the view. Like, I don't care how much money you make, how big your septum piercing is, what color your, your toenails and your fingernails are today. There is... When it comes to society as a whole, there is a thin layer of bias, racial bias, racial prejudice, confirmation bias when it comes to us by white people, whether they're gay, straight, bi, and that's not everybody, like I said earlier there are certain people and it's, it slips out, you know, it could be just something ignorant. They say it can definitely be microaggressions. It could be 
unprovoked, uh, disrespectful treatment, condescending, patronizing joke, passively, or, you know, disrespect in the guise of a joke. Nothing warranted, nothing that was asked for. And this is the combination. This is part of your experience. But they love the dick, though. They love the dick. They don't think you're the brightest. They don't think you're going to get it. They don't expect you to figure things out. But there's still this overflowing amount of arrogance, entitlement, narcissism, white supremacy of we need to tell you or you need to be told. And we need to make an example out of you, which is what's happening to Jonathan Majors right now. Now, I'm not a, one of these uh, conspiracy kooks out here that says, well, shit, this is what happens when you don't pay your Illuminati bill. You don't keep up on those uh, membership dues with the Illuminati. I just operate, Mr. Fox and the I Refuse podcast, we operate in the real world. And racism and prejudice and bias is not dead. It's just showing up in different ways. It's still, it's still there. It's, it's still there. It's, um, nuances as I've explained in the Jonathan major situation, where the moment that there are white tears, we are the problem and need to go. And other people will try their damnedest to work double time, triple time to aspire to those negative stereotypes. Oh, well, you know, when we were in the community theater and we were doing our auditions and our workshops, Jonathan Majors made me feel uncomfortable. He was very intimidating during his acting while we were practicing, or I didn't feel comfortable at the time, eight years ago when we were in the same room together. Or he did something during a particular take that just made me feel uneasy. You were fine then. Why is it a problem now? Oh, the bandwagon. So this is where we are when it comes to black men. No, there's definitely other forms of it. Forms of racism and prejudice and making this black boy an example. And how that all just plays into pre-existing attitudes about black men. After, After you've got your use out of us.
so another thing I wanted to talk about in the art of storytelling part one, which is the name of this episode is another situation that's been playing out the past two or three months with the Jenny Mai and Jeezy divorce drama. So myself being a a music fan, hip hop fan at the core for most of my life, I'm into young Jeezy's music. I have been for the past 10 or so years. And some good shit. I still say Thug Motivation 103 is his best album. Um, Not problematic, image-wise. You know, that young Jeezy. I say that like I'm an old white guy. Young Jeezy, not problematic. You know, in the the industry. You know, he, he makes his albums... He makes his songs, he does his obligations, and goes home. I have a, one of my good, good girlfriends, um, as long as I've known her most of that time, you know, Young Jeezy has been her crush. Jeannie Ma, on the other hand, um, never been an avid watcher of The Real. You know, I remember there was the Tamar era. And, you know, she was effectively iced out around the time that she was on Dancing with the Stars, kicking everybody's ass, going through a pulmonary embolism, um, going through it with carrying Logan. I really remember that Jeannie Mai when she was on the reel was married to this white guy. And at some point they broke up, got divorced. And not so long after that, he was married and got another lady pregnant and they had a child. I was like, okay, I thought overlap, None of my business. I'm not really in white people business. Unless I gotta be. You know, during the course of the reel from what I've saw clips, because I'm not an avid watcher. You know, Jenny Mai has said some things that I was just like, hmm. She likes her her black meat on the side or some bullshit she said once. And you know, I didn't really take it heart because I'm just like you know none of these women and no you know the show as a whole doesn't really shift or have an impact on my life or the culture as a whole it's just like another talk show where instead of talking about some rather serious stuff like they could be like they talk about dumb shit and they talk over each other and I'm just like I'm not really here for it you took out, you took the entertainment value out of it when y'all got rid of Tamar. Um. Anyway, I was like, okay, let me move on. So, fast forward, you know, within like six months, a year's time, she 
dates, gets engaged, gets pregnant by, marries Jeezy. I, I don't know if it's in that order, but I'm just saying. Um, and just as soon as that happens, they are separating and getting a divorce. I'm like, okay. That was pretty fucking quick. So, during the course of the last two or three months, you know, there have been, like, jabs, you know, taken. Um, You know, oh, it was, you know, a clash of cultures. He didn't, um, you know, there's all these people living in their house and all this, all this like stupid shit. And it's just like, at first I was like, if you're going to have a multicultural relationship, Jeezy is black. Jenny Mai is of Oriental descent. You may want to do a little bit of research. I mean, did you not know each other well enough? Or was it, you know, like, it's clear that you guys didn't. Because, I mean, this came out of left field for a lot of us not too long ago. This whole relationship, and it was like, as soon as we found out, they were already married. And it wasn't that long ago that she was out of a relationship with, out of her last marriage with the white guy who she'd been with for most of her 20s. No kids, by the way, by him. And I thought, this is what happens when you get with somebody real fast. And I don't care what nobody says. It was clearly a a fetishization thing on both parts. She thought she saw somebody that was a former street dude, carried himself kind of like hood or whatever, you know. In her mind, Jeezy probably checked off every every taboo, every every box, um, something that was exciting, something that was spicy, something that was the polar opposite of. You know, the white dude she was with. Oh, we got flavor. We got spice. You know, this is exciting. This is hot. Look at me. Yada, 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 yada. For him, it was like, oh, I got, you know, one of the pretty girls, one of the pretty popular girls. And, you know, this, you know, when I show up in the room with this on my arm, you know, the tone of the conversation and the perception changes because I'm less threatening now. Um, people will be surprised at how well we speak. You know, like the appearance of having a pretty geisha-like kind of girl on your arm, people view you differently as a whole. So there were definitely aesthetical benefits for both of them that they got from the relationship. And this is this is my two cents. My opinion, my podcast, welcome. So you got that going. 
that essentially serves as the the major um, basis for your marriage and your relationship and the image and everything. However, in the last couple of months, you know, stuff has kind of has come out that it's more. It's like it's more. The aim is to make him try to look bad. Oh, you know, Jeezy was cheating on me, and you know, Jeezy, you know, just you know this and that. And Jeezy sat down with me along was like there was, I've never cheated on a girl. I don't cheat. Yada yada yada. Me, I don't give a shit one way or another. Um. I don't think he did, but early on, it it came across to me like this girl is really trying her best to get sole custody or keep, you know, their child away from Jeezy. And there were other things that came out over time where you got some insight as to like home life that... Jeezy was not used to all the, a lot of people being in the house. Like Jeannie Mai stroke strikes me as somebody that very ten toes down with the culture and that's cute. Like very much in a Joy Luck Club kind of way, which is one of my favorite movies. Where it's not just me and our son that's going to be living here or is going to have a a constant presence. But my parents, my grandmother, my brothers and sisters and their kids. Like one thing I realized coming up is that, you know, the Oriental culture and the Middle Eastern culture they're very big on having a village around their kids and having, you know, grandparents of the kid in the house at all times and maintaining that connection for their kids to the culture early on so they can be proud and confident and have that as part of their experience growing up. Love it, respect it, all that other stuff. However, it was also very clear to me that there was, while you have that allegiance to it and pride in that, there was also an inconsideration and a disrespect towards Yeezy as the man of the house. As not only the man of the house, but as a husband, a father, and most likely the reason why they live in this big house to begin with. And I'm sure confident that that would cause a lot of issues in the house. So where we are right now is like after throwing so many things at the wall at, you know, attempts to make, him look bad 
which, you know, villainizing, that's that's a key aspect in the fetishization of black men. You know, Jonathan Majors, to a certain degree, was villainized. There were still attempts to keep that going. Jeezy, at this point, continued to be villainized. Oh, he cheated on me. Oh, it was this. No, it was that. Like the constant moving of the goalposts. And now here we are. Where something that wasn't an issue when y'all recording, however brief that was, y'all were making out, going places, smashing, engaged, had a baby, married, all that other stuff, move other family members into the house. And in another attempt to paint this man as a problem, this this satisf- this goes into the villainization of a black man bag category. Something that was always there that you lived with for however long, you want to pull that card and paint where Jenny Mai is right now is she is pulling the guns situation concerns for their daughter's safety now due to Jeezy's firearms is now part of the custody battle She has gone on to respond to his claims that she's gatekeeping their daughter, Monaco, from him. She submitted a response to her her estranged husband's request for hearing to figure out a temporary custody schedule in their ongoing divorce case, claiming that she only wants to protect her daughter as she has concerns over his firearm. You know, she tried to say that he cheated. He didn't keep you in an unfaithful relationship. He let you go. While it may be fucked up, she found out on social media, which, how the fuck do you know your marriage, how you don't know your marriage is falling apart? Now it's the gun. So if he stayed, would you feel the same? We here at the RFU's podcast are very firm believers and very talented by the way at seeing through the bullshit like I want y'all to know in addition to everything else I've talked about in this episode is how the other people in the relationship figuratively throw themselves out the window they spiral, they they lose their goddamn cotton-picking minds when they think they're about to lose in something. Or, you know, whether the person doesn't want to be with them anymore 
or they get the feeling that there are other people in the picture. Possibly, possibly not vying for a ride on some black dick. They lose their minds. So, Jenny Mai, from my opinion, from my perspective, has been working double time, triple time to try to make this man look bad simply because he doesn't want to be with her anymore. And there are other things that are part of the equation that play into, that possibly play into his his decision not wanting to be with her anymore. Like, you got all these people in my house. You treat me kind of any kind of way. And I'm willing to, to go out on a limb and say that she probably disrespects him a great deal in front of her parents. Like, there's no discretion there's no going off into a different room to have private conversations about your marriage about your relationship about y'all's daughter and your parents have more of a say in what goes on in that house that marriage that relationship than your own husband does just theorize it and then on top of that you being part of a celebrity couple, you yourself haven't been on TV the last 10 or 15 years in some kind of capacity. Two household names. You do not opt to have a personal vehicle to take your son to school, to go get food, grocery runs and stuff. You decide you want to take different Ubers to and from the house. Which means multiple people know where you live. That's a safety issue for him. Safety issue for the daughter. To and from places to eat, to and from places to shop, to and from all these different places. And then on top of that, you physically are out in public with y'all's daughter to and from school. Like, walking there or whatever, however you get there. Not moving in a discreet way. Mind you, we're in the throes of a pandemic. Things that were commonplace before the pandemic are significantly on a rise now like people from a social media post people can find out where you live break in you know king vaughn got killed that way um you know the people that broke into clarence avon's house a couple years ago killed his wife like that's not new. Yeah, I would I would be pissed too. And on top of that, you know, while you're out as a celebrity genie mind, 
doing all these social events, doing all, you know, doing the celebrity thing, making all these appearances. Jesus at home with y'all's daughter. <clears throat> Being a good dad, most likely. Yet, when a man doesn't want you, you pull, you try to pull every, every card or turn the narrative around and attempts to make him look like the bad guy and he's black and you don't care. Again, back to the villainization of black men simply because you don't like him or you're not getting your way. Like, at the very least, it's very immature and, you know, socially regressive. At the very most, that is... That is racism. And I think until we get real with each other and to ourselves, the role we play in... And racism, by way of the many examples I've explained in this episode, things will not change until that happens. Like, it, it, it all just comes back to how you view black men, black women, and black kids. First step is realizing and acknowledging how you treat them, which is the most obvious reflection of attitude is how you treat them. You know, of course, how you view them, how you talk down to them, how you handle them. And simply on the strength of what I call an aphrodisiac of, because I can No, the fuck you cannot. This is Mr. Fox, the I Refuse podcast. Um, Jonathan Majors, you know, do your time. Um, disappear for a while is my suggestion. You know, you're still very talented. You can, you'll definitely have a comeback. Like that's not, that's not entirely impossible. Um, this is very unfortunate. But let this serve as a lesson that, and not just to him, but to all black men, that we can't move like them in in the same spaces. You know, when I was thinking about Jonathan Majors and, you know, this entire year and specifically the last couple of days with this conviction and the charges and everything and, you know, the response, of course, I couldn't help but think of how Ezra Miller, you know, this isn't a one-sided kind of thing. You know, you want to talk about equality. 
Yet the treatment's different. Ezra Miller, who goes by they now, not so long ago, they were going through a bit of controversy over the past couple of years. They are known for their roles in, let's see, The Flash, of course. They garnered attention in Iceland as early as April 2020 when a video surfaced suggesting their involvement in an incident where they allegedly choked and threw a woman on the ground. In 2022, they faced arrest in Hawaii, being charged with disorderly conduct and harassment. This legal trouble ensued after they declined to vacate a woman's residence with whom they had previously engaged in a consensual sexual relationship, leading to a criminal complaint. Upon the release of The Flash, they, there were widespread debates about whether it should be excluded from Future projects, as some moviegoers called for its abandonment or boycott. The movie premiered in theaters in June of this year, right? A social media user posted a GIF, showed Homelander smirking, commenting, Ezra Miller watching Jonathan Majors go to jail while they essentially evade consequences. Homelander featured... And the boys on Prime Video is recognized for his mor- morally ambiguous heroism, occasionally engaging in gruesome actions that he rationalizes as necessary. What surprises me, a social media user said, is that Ezra Miller has committed more severe actions than Jonathan Majors, yet he only received a minor consequence. Why wasn't there a one-year sentence, prison sentence for him? I'm just quoting another user. I respect pronouns. Don't go crazy. DC addressing Ezra Miller, despite potential concerns, were stuck working with him. Meanwhile, Disney on Jonathan Majors kicking GIF, another user comments along with the GIF, depending a figure being kicked off screen. So here's the thing. When Ezra Miller was going through their situation between 2020 and 2022, The Flash still saw not only a release date, but was in theaters, on Prime Video, all that stuff. And Ezra Miller was allowed to promote that movie. And the powers that be said that we're stuck. We're stuck. You know, Ezra Miller was allowed to go to promote, you know, every... Every uh, release, uh, every press junket, every uh, premiere, without incident. Ezra Miller has not been canceled by society. They are still able to possibly work after the Hawaii arrest and, you know, all this other stuff without any pushback. 
Jonathan Majors, on the other hand, before the verdict even came out, Marvel had that announcement, that tweet announcement in their drafts. All they had to do was click post, and everybody knew that Jonathan Majors will not be playing Kang in an upcoming Marvel movie. You want to talk about equality, you don't see it. But those of us that have been outside for a while see the comparisons, right? You know, this serves as a primary example as to why we can't, we still can't do what they do. Even if it's perceived that we did something similarly to them, I mean, or as they, they've done in their situation, the results aren't the same. And it will constantly be on our shoulders to move different. And we could pump our fists in the air about unequal pay, inequality across the board and everything. It's still a white man's world. It's still a white man's world, and it's unfair. And people will say to you the moment you are vulnerable with them, Oh, you want fair? Go to a carnival. You know, apathetic shit like that. And it it all comes back to their attitudes about us. Even when they have benefited from us for years, we're still disposable. The view and the attitude circles back to I, I was right about that black man all along. It was just a matter of time. Like, what is his problem? Why Why can't he just do right? He has some audacity. My goodness. Why can't that black boy act right? Why can't that black boy act right around us white people? Why can't he just act right? You know, why Why can't those, these black boys out here act right? Why, why can't they just get it through their head that they're not welcome around here? Or some bullshit like that. And it hits you square in the head that they're, they're really just using us. And if you want to know what inspires what I've been saying in this episode as I'm, you know, between the segments, there is a three-part, I'll say, a three-part episode series on the I Refuse podcast called Parks and Recreation. There are parallels to what I've been saying here, talking about Jonathan Majors and talking about Jeezy that could be applied to a black man's experience me in the gay community 
Parks and Recreation. There's three parts available on the I Refuse podcast. So, before I get up out of here, if you've learned nothing else, I hope you learn that this is what we have to deal with. This is what we have to go through. I hope you feel that you've been educated and informed as to what the nuances is, are, what the nuances are as it comes to racism, prejudice, racial bias, confirmation bias, and uh, the downside to interracial relationships. You know, it's like once they get what they want, they 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 try to turn the tables and make us look bad. This is Mr. Fox, the RFUs podcast. Um, be sure to get into the RFUs podcast, the RFUs podcast after dark. And the usual suspects. This has been the art of storytelling part one. The art of. The art, the craft, the. The deceptive practices of the narrative that people put out about black men. And how society as a whole falls for it every time. Ooh, ooh! Intrusive thoughts alert! Intrusive thoughts alert! If you have reached this part of the episode and you are satisfied with this episode so far. Please drop from the call. Please drop from the call. If you're a messy bitch like me, stay around. This is Mr. Fox, the IFU's podcast. I'm back again. I say on the podcast all the time that you just never know when, if and when things go off the rails but when they do just know that I've probably lost control So if you're still around after that disclaimer, after that warning, beach, TD, touchdown, Jake's is a power bottom, a power bottom. 
was down on the Bird app, minding my god dang business, and what's trending with Diddy, motherfucking T.D. Jakes. And you know, with these receipts, with these trending topics, again, the art of storytelling, you know, we love a good story time because we're kind of messy. Well, shit, that's been in my DNA for 40 years. Let, let's, let's just start off with a word from a TikTok user. This is alleged, by the way. So that's courtesy of a TikTok account called Master's Voice, Master's Voice Pro something. So I'm just being a little messy. 
I think it's funny. Um, this is all, of course, alleged. Y'all have been calling this man a power bottom, but I honestly do not know where to start. Um, but I'm just reading some of the comments. Yah has judged Bishop T.D. Jakes. He has not repented. He lives an immoral life in secret that has nothing to do with the vow of service he took to Jesus long ago. Listen to this judgment carefully because I'm not debating with anyone. Oh, it's called the Master's Voice Prophecy Blog. God says this is sinful generation loves to beg for one more chance and will quickly defend sin instead of justifying him, God, as the righteous one who knows the sins of all men and reserves the right to judge. You that wants to be Jake's lawyer, go pray. See if you can extend a life that God has cut short. His sin, infidelity, same-sex relations, forced sex on minors, fiduciary impropriety, Theft, lies, deception, Freemasonry, and trafficking full-time with the devil. A deceiver and a tear and thee. Right to judge. You that wants to be Jake's lawyer, go pro- Oh. A deceiver and a tear in the church. T.D. Jake, you are cut down and don't know. Hear the words of the Lord. What the fuck is happening? I am on the floor. Like, what the hell is happening? When I tell you, like I said earlier in the episode, you think a year as a whole is not off the rails by September? The last two, three weeks of December, I like hold my beer. This this is crazy. Y'all done posted on the bird app. Norin Rad N O R R I N. R-A-D-D, a video of a black police officer, a cop, dancing to single ladies in front of T.D. Jakes with the caption that says, notice how T.D. Jakes' hands stay in their pocket the whole time. <coughs> and in the video, the cop is doing a sassy dance, of course, because it's single ladies. And T.D. Jake is just... It looks like he's admiring this cop's um, backside. Very wild. Somebody says, okay, can we finally agree on the fact that homophobia comes from homosexuals who like to be homos in the dark? Duh. It's got to make sense. Why hate the LGBTQI plus community when you're deep in the trenches? Because T.D. Jake's being a power bottom? Oof. Then somebody... With a three-second clip of Jill Scott crying and why did I get married in the ending. 
with the caption that says, T.D. Jakes walking in to see BBC lined up for him. This is wild. This is wild. Y'all, y'all are wilding out here. Um, I did not have this on my bingo card. I am totally unserious when I'm talking about this kind of stuff. But we'll see what 2024 brings. You know, there may be another a new episode next week. You know, new ones drop every Monday for the most part. But this here is the Art of Storytelling Part 1. You got a a free new episode, not a bonus episode this week. Um, be sure to check out the rest of the I Refuse podcast, wherever you get your podcast and your streaming shit. Also check out the YouTube channel at I Refuse Podcast. Follow and subscribe to Twitter at I Refuse Podcast. Also get into The Usual Suspects, which is in its second season. New episodes once a month or whenever we feel feel like it. The I Refuse Podcast, After Dark, which is coming back next month with season two we do one monthly episode of that as well until then um stay warm happy holidays and we will catch you guys next week here on the air podcast